Hey, welcome to The Prophetic Angle. This is Pastor Rick Bowen, and I'm just going to get right into this because I'm going to try to make these uh, episodes uh, short and sweet. It'll probably wind up being at least 15 minutes, but hopefully I can cut some of them down to 10. And anyway, what I would like for you to do is tell your friends, your family, that this podcast is available and explain to them how to access it. Know this, this is going to be the second part of this series. This series could be as many as 10. I'm just guessing because we're talking about what's going on in the world. What is going on? Uh, Part two. You know, the first part of it, I gave a special name. And uh, the name was God Gave the Land. God Gave the Land. And so that theme will be a thread throughout this series that God was responsible for giving the land to Israel and I gave you some scriptures and talked to you about that. Now this week I'm going to veer a little bit by talking about war. Veer just a little bit by talking about war and I I was hesitant to know what to call the series but I think I'll call the series a name that God gave me, I believe, last Sunday when I said, what is your prophetic posture? What is your prophetic posture? So if we're going to call the series Prophetic Posture, this would be Prophetic Posture Part 2, but each episode will have its own subtitle or its own name so you can, when you're searching, those that are searching can can find um, if they're interested or not, hopefully based on the title that I give it. I remember back when I was a young Christian, probably in around 1967, maybe even before, because I did become a Christian in 1967, but during those years in the latter 60s, and maybe the early 70s, but mostly the latter 60s, when I go home with my folks to visit their folks uh, in Arkansas, we would go to church because that was what that side of the family did. They were church-oriented, Pentecostal Christians, believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, believe in being saved by the blood, baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And uh, I would sing. My cousin would sing. Uh, she and I were fairly close in age. And sometimes we'd sit together in church and we'd sing loud. You know, we... Song service was something we enjoyed, and we liked to sing. We learned to harmonize during that time. And so the group uh, with her family in it, her dad, her uncle, or, which was my uncle too, both of them were my uncles, and then her mother, which was my aunt, they had a quartet, and they would sing. And then she and I would sing duets. And one of the songs we sung practically all the time was I'm going to lay down my burdens down by the riverside. Hey, will Rick and Judy come up front and sing lay down my burdens down by the riverside? And so we did. But there was a part of that song that we would sing that said, I'm going to study war no more. 
And that's what's happening right now, war. You got war in Ukraine, you got war in Syria, you have war in the, the border areas of Israel, especially Lebanon and, of course, Gaza. And the threat of war breaking out in Taiwan with China, the threat of North Korea and South Korea. You have uh, another European war that is rumored to be festering. You have wars and rumors of wars everywhere, just like the Bible said. And then you have those that are seemingly promoting war and those that speak out against war and try to blame the wars that break out on one entity um, called the cabal. So I'm not going to talk about all the nuances of the discussion because, listen, this would be way longer than 15 minutes. And I will hit some of those as the days and weeks roll by. But I want to talk to you about war. War is a fact of life. It's a sad fact of life of this fallen planet, this fallen world. But according to the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, I want to read you some verses from that to try to help propel forward the explanation of what's going on today, especially with the nation of Israel. And this is chapter 60 of the book of Isaiah. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and a deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Now, the question here is, who is the you? And I'm going to say, it's Jerusalem. It's Jerusalem. So... The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. And so he goes on. This is a rather lengthy chapter. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to skip down to verse 10. The sons of foreigners shall build up your walls and their kings shall minister to you. For in my wrath, I struck you. Notice God has a role to play here. But in my favor, I have had mercy on you. Therefore your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day or night that men may bring to you the wealth of the Gentiles and their kings in procession. For the nation and kingdom which will not serve you shall perish and those nations shall be utterly ruined. So this is talking about the millennial kingdom which is yet to come. Of course, amillennialist and premillennialist will have a way of explaining this away or making some kind of allegorical um, interpretation of it. But this literally will happen according to the Bible. It's yet to come during the millennial reign. There will be peace on earth for 1,000 years and the king of kings will rule from Jerusalem. He will rule from Jerusalem with a rod of iron for a thousand years there will be peace. Now in Matthew 25, if you go read Matthew 25, and you'll get to the section that talks about the judgment of the nations. And there are other passages that bear out verse 12 here. For the nation and kingdom which will not serve you shall perish, and those nations shall be utterly ruined. So some nations will perish 
from the earth when it comes to not we're not talking about the ethnicities of people here we're talking about political governments uh, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ now that's yet to come but we're not there yet so that's why there's still war in the earth verse 15 says whereas you have been forsaken and hated so that no one went through you I will make you an eternal excellence, a joy of many generations. You shall drink the milk of the Gentiles and the milk and milk the breasts of kings. You shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. So if you look at the history of Israel, and we're going to be doing that throughout, to some extent, this series, you'll notice that there were times when Israel was serving God and God was blessing them and then they would forsake God and serve other gods and God would abandon them or, or punish them and uh, sometimes dispossess them or at least allow them to be taken into captivity. Then they would return and they, the cycle would happen in one degree or the other and the trajectory was just basically downward as they went toward the time when the Messiah would come for the first time. That's when great darkness was upon the earth. So verse 18 says, the time would come, violence shall no longer be heard in your land. So war will not be studied anymore. Violence shall no longer be heard in your land, neither wasting nor destruction within your borders. Well, that's happening right now. So we know that time has not come. There's wasting and destruction within the borders of Israel. And, um, and then, of course, on the outside of their borders. But here it says, but you shall call your walls salvation. Now, there are some spiritual implications of this as well. But I'm trying to illustrate the um, literal aspect of the interpretation of this passage. And your gates praise. The sun shall no longer be your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give light to you, but the Lord will be to you an everlasting light, and your God, your glory. Your sun shall no longer go down. In other words, once I raise you up, you will be permanent, nor shall your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and the days of your mourning shall be ended. Now, they're mourning right now, but there's coming a day when the mourning will be ended. But you could see that God is prophetically, through the telescope of history, showing the ups and the downs, the back and the forths, the sin, the forgiveness, the saviors, the judges, the kings, the Messiah, and then, you know, the age we're living in, the church age, and how all the controversy has taken place. What happened with the temple in 70 AD? Go to Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13. And what's happening now in the interim period, 1948, all the way up till today, uh, 1917, if you go back to the Balfour Proclamation, 1948, 1967, 1973, all these critical times in history. And now we're living in one of the most, if not the most critical time of history and all of these times I've mentioned, to one degree or the other, there was violence, there was war, as there is today. But that day is going to be over with in the future. There's some things that's going to happen. 
And some of you are familiar somewhat with eschatology, so you know some of the events leading up to the millennium. The days of your mourning shall be ended, this is verse 21, and your people shall all be righteous. Now, we know they're not all righteous now. If you're talking about Israel, um, there are probably in the 8 million people there, there are probably, um, and this is only a real rough uh, educated guess based on what I last heard, but tens of thousands, and I'll just go ahead and be a little liberal with my uh, estimation, if you please, maybe 100,000 uh, Messianic Jews and or Christians in uh, Israel. I don't know the number. I'm trying to give you the idea that most are not. Uh, most are not even religious. You have the Hasidic Jews, you have the conservative Jews, you have the reformed Jews, and you have, uh, those are the ones that subscribe to believing in God. But then you have the atheists and the secular Jews, which don't believe in God. Many of them don't believe in God. And so, obviously, a lot of things are going to have to happen in Israel itself. There's, there's going to be a cleansing and a purging that's going to happen in Israel. I'm talking among the population of that nation before this promise is fulfilled when it says in verse 21, also your people shall all be righteous. They shall inherit the land. Look at this. Forever. The branch of my planting, the work of my hands, that I may be glorified. A little one shall become a thousand and a small one a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. So we're living in that time. Time is speeding up in a sense. It seems like it. Um, things are happening fast. You wake up one morning and war has broken out. And you wonder if there's going to be an end to it. You wake up the next morning or the morning before and the Speaker of the House has been, um, you know, the, the uh, vacated. He's been vacated. Now they're trying to find a new Speaker in the House. And every morning you wake up, you look at the headline, something else. Time is going fast. So the time for the peace, when we'll study no, war no more, that will come but it's out there in the future. So in this series, as we continue to talk about this land that God told Abraham his descendants would possess, and then he says here, there's going to come a time they'll inherit the land forever. So many of them, as to particular specific people, have been in and out of the land. They've been in Babylon. They've been in Assyria. Uh, they've been scattered all over the world. And then in recent decades... Since 1948, even before, they've been coming back to the land. So now there's, you know, upwards to 8 million people in a little nation about the size of New Jersey. So I'm going to wrap it up right here. I look at the clock. It's 15 minutes and 9 seconds. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode. But please listen to the first one and listen to the next one and continue to follow this series so that you can understand what is happening today. Thank you for being patient with me and allowing me to try to type as many loose ends as I possibly can. Hopefully I'll answer more questions than I uh, provoke. And if I provoke questions, hopefully I can answer those too. Father, thank you that you are the answer. Jesus 
is the answer for the world today. Let everyone in my listening audience receive you as King of Kings and Lord of Lords and Savior of their life. In Jesus' name, amen.